is live from Atlanta on the front porch of Super Bowl 53. This is WGN Radio Sports Central on WGNRadio.com. And welcome to Radio Row Sports Central back on WGNRadio.com. A little bit of a different setup this year, Mark Carmen. A little bit more room around us. This is nice. Well, and it's also not negative 10 outside, so this is a major upgrade. It's not Miami. It's not San Diego, but it's a big-time upgrade from Minneapolis, which is a great city, but just not at the end of January, starting in February. Good to see you, Adam Hogue. I would argue a better city than Atlanta, but I agree the, the, uh, the setup here is probably a little bit better, and the weather. Yeah, I just need I need warmth. I, it was, I don't like, really care about the weather at the Super Bowl. I'm inside this giant conference center all day. No, okay. So last year I didn't know how to get my media credential. I'm outside in the cold. It's ten degrees. Aww. Maybe maybe minus ten. I'm freezing. I'm dying. Today I walk out of the beautiful Homestead Inn or wherever we're staying over by the airport. Luxury luxurious accommodations. Thank you, fan-sided. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's like 48 degrees, and I feel like it's dead of summer. It, was, it felt so good to feel the sun. But, yes, we are in a big cavernous room that looks the same as every convention center across the United States of America, which, by the way, every city looks exactly the same. There's a McDonald's. There's Burger King. It, right? Like Atlanta, no. Atlanta looks no different than any other city. I'd say it looks a lot different than Chicago. Okay. Starting with the giant lake and the taller buildings and that part, sure. But like, if you were in Libertyville, an actual downtown, the same thing as Libertyville. Same oh thing. yeah, the suburbs are all the same. <laughs> That's different. Uh, anyway, we are here, Adam Hogan, Mark Carmen at the Super Bowl once again. Excited for a full week of coverage here as uh, we lead you up to Rams and Patriots later on in the week. Uh, we're we're going to be here all week long. Uh, at least I will be. You're going to be here too and chiming in from time to time. I, I will be having an eye on the conversation. There's going to be a ton of people that uh, you're going to have some great interviews uh, as you always do on Super Bowl week. There's just a ton of Who's who's milling around? I know you got some great uh, media guys today, so yep. the shows are going to be awesome. So Ross Tucker and Andy Benoit, uh, two analysts, NFL analysts that I like to follow on Twitter and take their football thoughts. So they're they're analysts, and uh, Andy does a lot of the film study for Sports Illustrated. Uh, has been following Mitchell Trubisky season all year long, and and Ross Tucker calls games across the NFL for Westwood One, does Sirius XM in the morning, and uh, he had a lot of. He knows Matt Nagy, so he had some good things to say about Matt Nagy too. So we'll we'll uh, get those two here in a little bit. I I, I want to talk uh, a little bit about the Super Bowl, but specifically some Bears stuff with you, Mark. I mean, you just kind of came out strong there, saying Mitchell Trubisky never should have been in the Pro Bowl. I mean, right? I, I get that. Uh, you know, well, whatever. Jared Goff is here, so he got in as an alternate. He was actually the didn't, fifth alternate. Well, he wasn't the fifth alternate, but he was the fifth NFC quarterback, so he was the second alternate. Okay. Because the three Pro Bowl quarterbacks were um, I can't Drew help Brees, you, right? Jared Goff, and Aaron Rodgers. Okay. okay. Those are better quarterbacks than Mr. Trubisky. Rodgers said right away, I'm out. You right. Know, I've had this knee thing all year. I'm not playing. And so Russell Wilson gets the call. Quick take. Russell Wilson should have been in ahead of Aaron Rodgers anyway. For sure. Okay. If you look at their seasons, that's how it should have been. All right? Great year for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL. Go on. So then the other two quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, they're playing each other in the NFC Championship game. We know one of them's going to be out because you go to the Super Bowl, you don't play in the Pro Bowl. That's, it turned out, so Jared Goff makes, Jared Goff makes Super Bowl and... Uh, Mitchell Trubisky ended up being the next alternate. So that puts him fifth in line. Who was number six? Uh, Dak Prescott got in. That's a coin flip. When Drew Brees backed out, too. Okay. And who was seven? No idea. They don't go that far. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, look, you watch Mitchell Trubisky had a very positive season. I think everything is trending in the right direction. I think. There's no reason to believe he's not going to be even better in year three and might be actually a legitimate Pro Bowler. That's on the table. I All that's true. However, this particular season is not was not a Pro Bowl season. He was too inconsistent. To be a Pro Bowler, I mean, had, you had games. I think people need to adjust their, how they're labeling guys, okay? So Pro Bowl is not the same as all pro, okay? Patrick Mahomes was all pro. This year, 
All right, there's no, there's no question about it. It's still the all the NFL's All Star Game. I get it. All Pro is way higher than being a Pro Bowler, willing to play in the Pro but if Bowl. But three quarterbacks make it, and then there's three alternates, and you just need to be in the top six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And he was in the top six. You know, his QBR was number three overall in the entire league. He his numbers were solid. I mean. I, I, you look at the stats, it's like... He also was one of the best third-down quarterbacks in the second half of the season. Again, I I don't want to take anything away from Mitchell Trubisky. I think he made huge steps this year. Huge steps. And I do believe that if they had the Eagles game to go to do again, and they were a little bit more aggressive early, even though he was having a rough first three quarters, I think the Bears win the football game, even if he makes a couple of mistakes. I think that was a big thing, you know, trying to balance out... Will we, you know, turn him loose, and how many turnovers will he have? Which was, and I don't think he would have had a ton. Like he's gonna, make, he's gonna have a couple bad throws. All quarterbacks do, and some of his looked extremely bad. But I, but uh, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know how you see it, Adam, but I think they will let him do a whole lot more next year, a whole year in the offense, a whole off season. I mean, I expect him to have a huge year. Yeah, that's a. Uh actually part of the conversation I had with Andy Benoit who you'll hear from here in a little bit we pre-recorded it um, but that's something he watches all the film and he noticed that right away and then he thought it got even you know scaled back even more which is something you and I talked about on the post-game shows throughout the season he noticed what exactly just that you can you can if you understand how to watch tape you can tell how much a coach trusts his quarterback off the tape right and so it's not that Matt Nagy doesn't think Mitchell Trubisky is any good, which some people tried to make that argument. <clears throat> Chris Sims, who's been walking around here a little bit today, um, early like in the first couple weeks of the season, it's just you the trust level. I think everybody at House Hall thinks Mitchell Trubisky's incredibly talented. It can be really, really good. It's what do you trust him to do now? And this year in this system with so much on his plate, I think that's fair to say based on what was called there, as you said, there's a lot more area to grow going forward. They were babying him along, and if you combine it with the fact that they were winning games, and you had an unbelievable defense, there was no... I, why would you... Look, I don't care if we lose this week. We just want to develop the quarterback. That wasn't their mindset, and it really shouldn't have been their mindset. I, I, I think it's almost better for Mitchell too. Just let's 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 gradually increase what you're taking on. You're seeing it, it was clear that he was understanding defenses greater and greater as the year went along. And to the to your point a little way, way back on the third downs, some huge plays and some huge drives, huge drives against the Eagles late when he had to make, he had to do it, and he came through. So, I mean, he should feel, I would think, pretty damn good about himself. I think that's why the pain that we saw in Ryan Pace's eyes and Matt Nagy's eyes at the press conference a week after the season ended, I think it made it worse that Trubisky was that good, that late? good at the end of the game. Like, it... Obviously, it makes it better going forward. It makes you feel much better about the offseason than, hey, he throws an interception in that moment. But it made the loss sting even more because everything they worked on the whole year to see if Mitchell Trubisky could make the clutch play at the end of the game to win you a playoff game. He did it. He did it. He did? He did everything they asked him to do. And I honestly think he would have completed that throw to the Anthony, Anthony Miller in the end zone had he had half, half a second more. Because the timing was off on that play, and you made a great point a while back about it too—that that play in itself was not a great choice. A quick five, six yard out, get yourself within not what was it—a forty-three yard field goal, make that thing thirty-five. Cody Parkey's making that kick. He's not in the Today Show. The Bears, who knows? They could be in Atlanta. I mean, you look the way it fell. Saints didn't look good against the Eagles, yeah. and. You know, we would have been playing the Rams, and the Bears would have been playing the Rams. So they, they, they easily, they were that that thing was a complete coin flip. Could have gone any which way. And nobody made the Rams look worse this season than the Bears. That's true too. And Trubisky was awful in that game. It was not Pro Bowl esque in that game. Yeah, he, he was horrendous. And they won. No, granted, it was a Sunday night. It was at home, and who knows if the whatever the Rams were. But if Cody Parkey makes a kick against the Dolphins, the Bears would have hosted the Rams in the divisional round. Yeah, and if they don't blow a 20-point lead to the Packers on opening night, I mean, look, the team was great this year. But I I, I did like, by the way, uh, George McCaskey was making the radio rounds this week, and I was saying, 
enough with the party like the Bears have like arrived. They they made the playoffs. That's nice. That's cute. It was a great year. They didn't win a playoff game. They were in the wild card round. It's, it's, it's not time for some celebration. And people were talking to McCaskey like, how about, you know, how about the Bears? Like, we haven't done anything. Yeah. I mean, they they, they haven't. So I, I, I liked hearing that from him. So, and look, I mean, 80, 1985 is still st- still sitting out there. So. At some point, you got to do it, right? The banner is there. It is twenty feet away from us right now, hanging above Radio Row, they, Super Bowl twenty. They they beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. It seems like they've been going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so long. Yeah. Nancy Armour wrote a great piece in USA Today. She's like, so she was just writing about the Patriots. Uh, Fact check, and then she's going through every stat. For the right, third time, uh, for the third straight year, the Patriots are here. For the fourth time in the last five years. For the sixth time in the last, I mean, trying to win it for the sixth time in the last 18 years. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm kind of bummed that the Patriots. Oh, it sucks. I hate it. Get out of here. And, no, and those that have been covering this event for, like, the last 20 years, don't you get sick of the Patriots being here? And people say, well, you're going to miss them when they're gone. Nah, I'm good. No, I would have been fine if Patrick Mahomes was playing in this <laughs> yeah. game this week. Yeah, I, I'm not going to miss New England. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm sorry. First of all, great organization, phenomenal players. Do you want to say Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time? I'm not going to argue with you. But there's also Deflategate, and, which you probably don't care about, or Spygate. Or, how about do you care about Spygate? I yeah, think, but that's not really on Brady. No, but it's on the organization. Yeah, I, yeah it is. You know, the, the, it, it's you, all part of the conversation. Willingly cheated, trying to get an edge. I saw. What do you think of the effect? There was four officials taking a left turn here. Four, oh yeah, I saw the story. Four officials from Southern California refereeing the Rams game against the Saints, and of course the pass interference call that goes against him. People are up in arms about that. Yeah. Rams haven't played in Southern California. No one cares about football down there. I should say that. That's a stretch. But like, it's probably true, though. But, but Mostly true. Yeah, it, but it's not like... If you had four officials from Louisiana, that would have been a lot more right. of a problem to right. me. No, I don't, right. I don't think so. And the other thing I thought that was interesting today, Sean McVay and Bill Belichick have been texting all year. Yes, from the, the Peter King story. Yeah, they just... After every game, Belichick's like, you guys are awesome. Love you, Sean McVay. Somebody just stole your garbage can. I think he works here. I, th- I think he's emptying out our trash mark. I think it's okay. <laughs> just for a radio visual, Adam's head turned like he, like they had just taken away his family. <laughs> no, I was just wondering don't, what was going on. Don't take my can. Uh, uh, we are right on the edge here of the uh, the barrier. Yeah. You know, and they, it, they allow fans into this area, and so you want to protect your... See, I gotta say, the security seemed tighter last year at Minnesota. I'm a little weary. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. All, all I know is that it's it's super cool to be here. This table's awesome, and but I look around. Sirius XM's got like 17 uh, oh, yeah. acres over there. Yahoo's got this huge setup. You know, it just it, it, you could definitely know you see where you stand at the total pole. Oh yeah, we stand at these random tables. <laughs> this is random. You're in the back over there, buddy. Good luck. Hope you have a nice week. It's all right. What do you have on the, the docket this week? What are you really yeah, looking forward to outside uh, of the, the media party tomorrow night? You know, I, that's a good question. I And tonight's always fun. You got you get the Rams for an hour, and you get the Patriots for an hour, and they're all walking around, so you can basically talk to anybody. But uh, uh, I'm talking to Juju Schuster from the Steelers. We got Ryan Leafs coming by. You forgot the uh, Smith, dude. Come on. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster. Come on, don't deny him. JoJo, what's going on? What did I say, Juju Schuster? Juju Smith-Schuster, yes, tomorrow. He's Mr. Mr. Media Juju. That is that is Joe Romano, a great producer back in Chicago. Uh, um, here's a question that you should ask him. Yeah. Because one of the small windows of the Pro Bowl that I did see yesterday, yeah. Patrick Mahomes did one of his no-look passes and hit Juju Smith-Schuster right in the hands, and he dropped it. What? On purpose? So No, he... Ask him if he just was not ready for a no-look pass. Okay, okay. Because that's what it looked like. That's he, not a good job by Juju. I got a whole list of people that I were talking to, Adam, that I, that I don't even remember off the top of my head. <laughs> Dan, uh, I don't even want to guess, Adam, but there's a it's lot. Okay. It's, a, it's, it's a lot. I'm excited. Uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson, one of my favorite receivers from when I was a kid, is going to come on by. Uh, you can... There's a, if you want to check out what I'm doing, I'll little self promotion. Yeah, well, how do people find it? Do, do go to the fan side of YouTube page. Those interviews will be will be flying up Instagram, Facebook, whatnot. Um, we'll be pumping it out. A lot, 
we we basically anybody that's here, we're going to try to talk to him. So hopefully, I won't embarrass myself, which I probably will. Well, you are the reason why Cody Parkey was bad this year, because you did that video with him back did in you, July. Have you watched that video? His kick teaching me how to kick a field goal. That thing barely went in. Yeah, so this is a video of Cody Parkey teaching Mark Carmen how to kick a field goal. and An extra point. There should have been a greater difference between the kicks. I'll put it that way. Between your kick and his kick. Right. I mean, they should have looked a lot different. I mean, his kick went in, but it was really awful. Like, barely cleared. It was wide, and it was heading left. And this was a 19-yard or nothing. And then I missed twice. Which was really embarrassing, and I was extremely disappointed. I, I went to the Cody Parkey Goose Island Festival in the snow. Did you see the videos from that? I did. Did you Did you try to kick? Yeah, I did. And did you fall down? I didn't fall, but it was awful, and I nearly killed someone to the right to the left of the screen. You weren't the guy that hit the security guard, right? That, that was awesome. It was it was super, but that, that was a the thing. They I thought that somebody might have a shot at making. No one even came remotely close, which doesn't really matter at, at all. It doesn't excuse Cody Parkey, but that was kind of fun that Goose Island did no, that. No, it doesn't redeem him at all. He makes three and a half million dollars, and his job is to make field goals it's because a bunch because a hundred bros drinking beer out in the freezing cold and icy conditions couldn't make a field goal. It doesn't redeem him at all. Yeah, but see, everybody says like that's his job. It's a hard job, man. Step up there on. It is nowhere near as hard as playing quarterback. Not even on the same planet. Sure, but like a quarterback, you you miss a throw, you have an interception, it happens. You have a thousand things to process as a quarterback. As a kicker, you have basically three, like the wind, the hash mark, and making sure your swing of the leg is perfect. I just know that mentally I couldn't handle it. That's what the one, Oh, that's a different conversation. That's one thing you do. You sit there all day. Okay, go out there and make that. And if you miss it, they're going to kill you and you're cut and, you're, and your whole livelihood's going to change. I'm not saying it's easy. I think you said it's easy. None of the jobs in the NFL are easy. But if you're going to rank the jobs in the NFL, uh, would you rather be the kicker or the nose tackle? I think I could be, I think I could be the holder. Okay, thank you. <laughs> don't, don't you. Don't you think you could be the holder? All you got to do is catch the snap, spit, put it on the ground, spit it. I think I, that'd be my best shot. What about the long snapper? That dude, that's an easy gig. You can't that you can't even hit him. Patrick Manley became a star in Chicago. Yeah. Never he never got touched. All he had to do was because he did his job properly. Right, he just he had did his, his job. Just look back between his legs and fire that thing. And Cody Park, he makes that field goal. It's a different story. Why can't they bring Robbie Gold back? Who's the guy? They are going to. You think so? I think so. I think they're going to try. What about Redford Jones? What's his name? I don't know. The guy from Baylor. The, the double the doink. Double doink. But he made it. He, he knows it. how to make the double doink. No one's ever double doinked before. <laughs> that thing's amazing. From 20 yards out, he double doinked. All right, got to take a time out here. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Joe Romano. My dude. He got it right. All right. Uh, Ross Tucker coming up next. Have a great week. Thanks for having me. I'm around if you need me. You're going to do awesome. Well, Thanks, buddy. We'll, we'll hear from Mark Carmen throughout the week here on Sports Central. We'll take a quick time out. Come back. Ross Tucker, Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. A lot of good conversation on the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky coming up. You're listening to Sports Central. From Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Adam Hogue and WGN Sports Central getting ready for the Super Bowl on WGNRadio.com. Back here on Sports Central from Radio Row in Atlanta. Had a chance to sit down with Ross Tucker, one of my favorite NFL analysts. You can hear him. He's got a longer uh, list of jobs than I do. Sirius XM, NFL Radio, The Athletic. He calls games for CBS, ESPN, NBC, Westwood One, and Stadium. I don't even know how that's legal to work for all those network networks at once, but Ross Tucker does it. And he has the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He had plenty of things to say about Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Let's dive in right now with Ross Tucker. Time to bring in former NFL player turned analyst Ross Tucker. You may uh, have heard him on the Ross Tucker podcast, which is really good. And boy, you seem to be calling games for everybody now. Yeah, you know, I had a long run there where I was doing NBC Sports Network Ivy League on Friday nights and then a Westwood One game every Sunday. But the Ivy League lost the rights to, or NBC lost the Ivy League rights to ESPNU. So I ended up doing a couple of those games, but not the whole package. And Westwood One 
Uh, he's not doing Sunday afternoon games anymore. So I still do a bunch of games for them. London, Saturday night games, etc. I'm on sideline for Wessel 1 a lot in the playoffs, etc. But um, college, I picked up five CBS Sports Network games, did a bunch of games for Facebook and Stadium, which is based in Chicago. Yep. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's really not very complicated. As soon as somebody says, we'll pay you money to go to a football game, I say yes. And that's, that's basically all. Sometimes my wife's like, you're going to do the high school games for that much money? I said, yes. Because my eighth grade self would kick my butt if I said no to getting paid money to go to a high school game. Yeah, you're getting paid to, to watch football. I love it. that's the s- same thing for me. Um, what was it like calling Ivy League games? Did you enjoy it? Loved it. Well, you know, I played in the Ivy League, yeah. so for me, that you know, I really embrace sort of uh, the culture there and the mindset, which is you know, you're not on scholarship, so if you're not into it, you can you can quit at that point, really. You know, what the recruiting does for the Ivy League is they let you get, you know, they help you get into school as much as anything else. But I think people are surprised how good the guys really are. I mean, there's more and more Ivy League guys in the NFL. You guys have one in Chicago, Bronk. Yeah. Ben Broniker. Yeah. He was like the third or fourth straight Harvard tight end to make the NFL. It was Kyle Juszczyk, who's with the Niners now, then Cam Brate, who's with the Bucks, then Bronk. Then Anthony Ferkser, who's with the Titans. Like, it's unbelievable. Harvard, like, <laughs> FCS Ivy League non-scholarship has four straight tight ends that are able to make the NFL. And that's unbelievable. So, so i got to ask you something, because I've covered Ben Broniker since he got to the Bears. I've never heard anyone call him Bronk. That's his nickname? At, when, he was at, when he was with the, uh, Harvard, it was. Yeah. Bronk, because he's in Boston. Yeah. And so. So Broniker, Bro, you know, Gronk, right. Gronkowski, so they called him Bronk. Well, then the other tight end the Bears have, Adam Shaheen, he was, his nickname was Baby Gronk. So that's probably why they don't yeah, call him Bronk. Maybe. But, and, and, and you wouldn't, because he's not like a monster like Gronk is. But well, I think, nobody is. I think just, no, I just think his, you know, his name's Ben, and Broniker's hard to say. And Gronk was killing it, you know, at the time in New England, you know, in that area. So it was just easier. The only people I've ever heard him say it was the Harvard coaches. They called him Bronk. Interesting. Yeah, All right. now you know. Now I know. That's great stuff. All right, so um, let's talk about the Bears a little bit. What was just your overall you know, reaction to the Matt Nagy-Mitchell Trubisky experience this year? So just so you know, I've known Matt Nagy for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania, which is now west of Philly. He's from Lancaster. He was like a high school quarterbacking legend at Mannheim Central. Uh, they're the Barons. They call it Mannheim Magic. He was excellent, but wasn't like a six-four, two-thirty back then, right? So he didn't get the big-time scholarships. Instead, he ended up going to Delaware. Had a great career actually with Brett Veach, the, the GM of the Chiefs. Now, yep, they were teammates, and that's how he got in the NFL. I don't know if he's told you guys the story, but he got in the NFL because Brett Veach got him a job, just interning at training camp while he was still playing arena ball. Yeah. And Andy Reid took a liking to him. And next thing you know, he's coaching the Bears against the Eagles, which, by the way, we could talk about that a lot. I still think it's interesting that he didn't make sure that they didn't beat the Vikings. And I'm wondering how much you guys talk about that. It, it was it was discussed uh, because it was a very interesting situation. You're sitting there at halftime. You know the Rams are crushing the 49ers. Yes. And it felt here's, – here's what I'll say. It felt like – in the middle of the game, it felt like it would be wrong not to just keep the foot on the gas against the Vikings because they were just in such control of the game. You yeah. don't necessarily want to mess with that momentum. But I get the other side of it because I'm sure you feel the same way since you brought it up. If the Vikings come in the Soldier Field in that wild No run, chance. No chance. No chance. So he literally cost himself a playoff victory it's really weird and then the chance to go to la and see what they could do against the rams but my counter is they still should have beaten the eagles regardless i agree but why would you even want to play a team that's that seasoned playing that well and put yourself in the position yes if the kicker makes it i get that but i i i would not have done it i I would not have and not only that there's another element to it adam which is he had starters in later in a game than they had to be, and they could have gotten hurt, and they did. Taylor Gabriel got hurt. Anthony Miller got hurt. And I know they played, but they were banged up. It made a difference. It was a risk. There's no question. 
So as a former player, what are what are players really thinking about Cody Parkey? They've all said the right things, but it comes down to a kick. And it's not just the one kick he missed, which, by the way, was tipped a little bit. He missed 11 kicks throughout the year. I think that is the difference. I think if he was a good kicker who had a good year and missed one kick, they would say, it's not your fault. You know, we, we should have done better. There's other things we could have done. And on some level, they still think that. But because he had such a bad year and then took it to another level and missed that kick in that game, I and then went on the show and all that stuff, I I think they're probably not real pleased with him. And I, I don't blame him. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be either. I mean, how could you be? Here's what I don't understand, though. They, they signed a no-name kicker. So do you think that that's who they're going to have get the job? Or because Cody's guaranteed $3.5 million, are they just signing someone to have the appearance? I think they were... The one thing I've learned about this regime since Ryan Pace took over as general manager is they just they do their due diligence on everything. And I think they're just kind of planning ahead for just in case. What I'd be shocked if they don't do is if they they, they got to go after Robbie Gold. Who's he's a free, a free agent. He's a free agent. Why did they refresh my memory? Why did they cut him in the first place? There, uh, it was it was part salary cap. He was paid a lot, so it saved him some money. Uh, but also, John Fox and uh, and Jeff Rogers, their their uh, special teams coordinator at the time, they, there wasn't a great cohesiveness there between all three of them, and so I think that was the biggest reason. This, my understanding, though, is Pace and Gold are fine. So I think all the people that had, if Gold had a problem with anybody, those people are gone. I think that he would like to come back to Chicago, actually. Really? that That's that's fascinating, because it is interesting to think where they could be if that if they had never done that. Right. And I mean, they would have won a couple more games during the year, too. Absolutely. Well, it, that's the funny thing, is people's, people were saying the following week, you know, if Parkey makes the kick, the Bears will be on a flight to L.A. Some other people were saying, you know, if he makes that kick against the Dolphins in week six, the Rams would have been on a plane to Chicago. Right, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. then you never know. Then you never know. With the defense and the way they were playing. Yeah. Oh, man. Brutal. What, what do you think about Mitchell Trubisky? So I was very skeptical most of the year. Okay. And felt like, you know, you just, when you watch, you see the flashes, but you also see some throws where you're thinking, why is he making that decision? And how can you be that inaccurate? And I was highly skeptical. But then, you know, towards the end of the year, I'd say the last three or four games, he started to win me over. And he wasn't great against the Eagles, but he made the clutch throws he had to to get them down in position for the game-winning field goal. Against the Vikings, he made a bunch of those third-down conversions. I mean, I think the one thing we learned is he's still not as consistent as you want him to be, but he's clutch. He's clutch, man. I mean, he was the money man against the Vikings in Week 17 to close out that win and against the Eagles. I feel like he did his part in those games, and I think another year, another full off season, I think he'll be even better. I find the, the, the whole Trubisky situation fascinating because, look, we're in a town where everybody has always loved the backup quarterback in Chicago. They look for any excuse to not like the starter. And what what's interesting about this dynamic is I would say the great majority of Bears fans love Mitch. They're, they're right. happy with Mitch. And it seems to almost be more of a national, uh, the blowback seems to become more na- from national uh, writers or, or, you know, anyway. Well, and a lot that's of just it, what I've I noticed this Right, year. and a lot of it is what are you comparing him to, right? So Patrick Mahomes, same draft that's class. That's the problem. Deshaun Watson. And they passed up on him. Deshaun Watson, same draft class. I mean, that, that becomes tough then. Yeah. You know, I mean, those guys are too pretty legit dudes that the Bears could have had. And so you see some of the other numbers that people are putting them up. People talk about that. But uh, you can't do anything about that. All you can do is worry about Mitchell Trubisky. And I think so far, so good. So uh, what, what are you looking for this week with this matchup? Like, what's the biggest key for you and how how the Rams beat the Patriots? Yeah, I don't know. How about just not be stupid? I mean, we're, we watched the Chiefs-Patriots game. And the Patriots very smartly double-team Tyree Kill and take him away. They don't let him beat them. Meanwhile, 
Adam are watching third and ten, and three times they're man to man on Edelman and Gronk. Thank you. It was driving me crazy. Like I want, I wanted the Chiefs to win for their fans, for Andy Reid, but I also I don't like I don't like when dumb teams win, right? Like I I wanted, I wanted I almost wanted them to lose, just be like you know what dumb teams don't deserve to win, they they should lose because that was pathetic. It really I mean it was really bad, really bad. Patriots are taking away what you do best. Meanwhile, yeah. on the flip side, you you know you got the the Chiefs not even covering. Double covering Edelman or Gronk—they're both man-to-man. I, I'm not. I'm, I always try to be. I, I don't call for people to get fired. Okay, but that was a fireable offense, and Bob Sutton did get fired this week. I agree. But but you to have Gronk go out wide like that a couple times and big third downs, and to have one-on-one coverage against somebody who's way smaller—I was just sitting there on my TV going, "What?" And of course, it didn't help that Tony Romo was calling everything out perfectly. <laughs> so it all exactly. looked, the, the optics of it looked bad. Exactly. You're here talking about uh, myfrontpagestory.com. Yeah, so this is uh, a couple guys I know. They're they're writers, sports writers that got laid off, and so now they got a they got a, a gig now where it's basically stories for hire. So I'll give you an example, okay, Adam. I my my sister and I bought one for my mom for Mother's Day. So a professional writer calls you, interviews you. It's like less than ten minutes. My sister and I both gave like four quotes. He writes the story. I send it to you. You frame it. You give it to your mom. My mom bawled, dude. She bawled. She absolutely loved it. She even texted me a couple months ago and said, I just read it again. I love it. So I've been telling guys, Just I just realized this recently, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Val- think about like when you write your wife or girlfriend or fiance a, a, a note or a card and how much they love that. This is like that on steroids. Myfrontpagestory.com. And it's easier because you don't actually have to write it. You just talk while you're driving to Chick-fil-A or Chipotle or something. You just call the writer. He interviews you. Then he writes it for you. I'm just tell. I guarantee you give this to your wife or fiance or girlfriend, whatever. I guarantee they will cry. I might have to try this out. I'm, I'm just always, telling you. I'm the worst of Valentine's Day. I can't ever figure yes. out what to get and you my need wife. Something this new. Is good. You need something new and unique. And this only takes you, first of all, you can get it for 50 bucks. And it only takes you 10 minutes. The guy calls you. Text you, hey, what time are you going to talk? Okay. He writes it. Boom, you got the story. I'm telling you, your wife will love it. That's great stuff. Awesome. Also, you can find Ross Tucker on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is great stuff, by the way. I recommend checking it out. And on Sirius XM's NFL channel in the morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. All right. Some great stuff with Ross Tucker. Uh, Some interesting things about Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy and... Uh, bringing back the whole idea of the Week 17 game against the Vikings, which I'd kind of, you know, not forgotten about, but moved on from. And it's just interesting to hear one of the national guys say that the Bears should have lost to the Vikings. Uh, I don't know if I'm fully on board with that, but I do agree that had they played the Vikings, they would have won. I just also think they should have beaten the Eagles as it was. So, um, yeah. It's uh, it is what it is. He's an underrated football analyst. I think he also does the um, the All American game that used to be the U.S. Army uh, All American game. You know he he knows oh yeah the game from you know high school up. He he's really he does a great job. But he fills in for Dan Patrick every once in a while. Really a guy that like you said, if you haven't checked out his podcast, you you definitely should. Yeah, you learn a lot about football listening to Ross Tucker. So uh, very happy he had some time for us today here on Radio Row. Uh, another guy who had some time for us, Andy Benoit, who uh, maybe you don't know. It, it, he's sort of in the same category as Ross Tucker. You know, very underrated, uh, works for Sports Illustrated, and handles kind of all their film analysis. But, uh, you know, he's he, he might be a national guy too, but I guarantee you he's watched uh, just as much of Mitchell Trubisky as everybody else, and uh, he has some interesting things to say about all that as well. So we'll take a quick time out. Come back. Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Central. George. George. WGN Sports Central. Adam Hill is live from Radio Row, part of it all, getting ready for Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta on WGNRadio.com. Before we get out of here, uh, I do have some thoughts on the Bears extending Bobby Massey over the weekend. Uh, so we'll get into uh, some of that conversation before 
uh, 2 o'clock here. But first, I uh, want to bring in Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. He's their, their film analyst and uh, uh, has broken down everything there is to break down about the Rams and Patriots already, even though uh, we're still six days away from the actual football game. But he's also been following the Bears all season long. So uh, he has a, a lot of thoughts on what Matt Nagy did with this offense this season and, and what the Bears really accomplished in 2018. So here he is, Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. All right, time now to bring in Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning QB, really the film analyst, right? Is that the the best way to to describe you? That's a polite way. I had film nerd on my, uh, which is what my wife has called me on my Twitter. But yeah, no, that's that's a nice way to say that. Yeah, no, I I always enjoy the the stuff you put out on Twitter and the breakdowns you have. Um, obviously. We'll get into the Super Bowl here in a little bit, but because we're based in Chicago, I'd love to just hear your reaction from watching the film on Mitch Trubisky the whole season. Yeah, I think Mitchell Trubisky, coaches tell you how they feel about their players by the plays they call with them. And I, when you watch the Bears offense, it's apparent that Matt Nagy feels Mitchell Trubisky is a work in progress at best. We, we get all caught up in the misdirection stuff and all the, the bells and whistles of that offense, and they do a tremendous job with it, especially early in the game on those scripted plays. But when you start watching the offense snap after snap uh, on the coach's film, I mean, the, the neutral look, the, the emotions all out of it, you see a pretty simple offense, and they get away from that bells and whistles as the game progresses at times, very basic route combinations. But I've had this conversation with coaches a lot the last couple of weeks, in fact. It's simple. It's quarterback-friendly, but the stuff works, too. It's, it's a smart offense. It's not simple and stupid, which is what a lot of them accidentally wind up being. So um, I think they feel that Trubisky, you have to – usher him along a little bit he's very good when his first read is open and he's very good when he gets outside the pocket and he and he's kind of going sandlot mode it's getting him through reads number two three and four which is where the high level so the guys at this game especially tom brady here in atlanta that's what they, they're able to do that's the next step for him and he might be a little ways from making that step yeah matt Nagy was pretty um uh open throughout the year that really in camp in the preseason, they tried to throw a ton at him, and then uh, I, I think you're right, and then maybe it got dialed back a little bit once the scripted stuff early in games. However, I thought it got dialed back even more after that game against the Rams on Sunday Night Football. He throws the three interceptions. He's coming off the injury. Yeah. Uh, and it, actually, the Bears offense coordinator, Mark Helfrich, made a comment that week that, eh, you know, maybe we're doing a little bit too much here. The interceptions... And the turnovers went down from that point, but also so so did the explosive yeah. plays to some extent. Yeah, I think that's a really smart observation, Adam. I think they did scale it back even more. Now, what's different is two things. Uh, after training camp, they didn't know they'd have Khalil Mack at that point. So yeah. maybe they felt they're playing. We have a defense that can hold people to 10 points instead of 18 points. They had a good defense to begin with, uh, but Mack made them the NFL's best defense. So they're able to play to their D a little bit more. And then Mack had just gotten healthy late in the season. He had that midseason kind of disappearing act when he had the ankle injury, early-ish midseason. But I think they were, uh, my guess is they, they realized we can play. Mitchell needs a little bit more work than we thought and we can play more to our defense than we thought. So they were in the fortunate position of being able to scale it back. A lot of teams, they just have to live with the, the ups and downs of the young quarterback. I almost wondered, though, if the, he uh, regretted it a little bit just because then you see the second half against the Eagles in the playoffs, and they had to open it up almost by necessity because the season's on the line, and all of a sudden Allen Robinson's running wide open all yeah. over the field, and it was like, man, if you had... Maybe done that a little bit earlier in the game, found that matchup, maybe that game would have been a little bit different. Yeah, and the offensive line helped that day, too. That offensive line beat Philadelphia's defensive line it just man-to-man, head-to-head, however you want to look at it. So if they feel good about their offensive line this year, and they should, and they're going to feel better about their wide receivers now. Those guys have all been together for a year. Guys like Anthony Miller, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. We'll see a more expansive Bears offense this season. It's going to be a fun offseason for them, too, because I'm sure Matt Nagy's learning as he goes along with these guys. How impressed uh, as a you know overall offense were you with what 
Matt Nagy did this year with, uh, I, I think, a team we can agree. The, the weapons weren't maybe quite on par with what he was dealing with in Kansas City before he came over to Chicago. Yeah, sure. No, it's, he doesn't have, and the, and the big difference is he doesn't have the top-end burner like Tyree Kill, who takes the top off of a defense snap after. They might have some speed in that team, but it's not the same thing. He wants Tariq Cohen to be that guy, but they're not quite the same They're player. different types yeah. of play. Yeah, Horizontally, they're very similar, but vertically, which is what Hill has done, that, that and Hill got a lot better at it after Nagy left, too, because Hill's a work in progress still. He doesn't have that, but most teams don't have Tyreek Hill. I, I thought they did a really nice job overall. It helps. They've got comp, uh, running backs that can complement each other. Uh, Jordan Howard, tremendous inside zone runner, and you can do just about anything with Cohen. I know you do a lot of draft stuff, so maybe it's a little bit too early for this question, but a lot of talk in Chicago, even going into to last season, uh, how, how uh, much of a fit Jordan Howard really is uh, in this offense. Uh, and there's, you know, we're wondering if maybe they'll try to target a running back. Now, they don't have a first or second round pick this year because of the Cleo Mack trade, and they traded up last year to, to grab Anthony Miller. Um, but, but who are some of maybe the running backs that, that you've been able to identify who maybe could fit that middle round? Uh, you know, like Jordan Howard was. He was he was a fifth round pick. Yeah, you know that's pro- that's probably a question I need to defer for a couple months. I am still yeah, I understand. Just getting used yeah. to these guys. But any more honestly, Adam, especially at the running back position, I don't look at guys coming out because we don't know who's going to be good and bad in the NFL. We all have projections, but the NFL teams don't know. That's why half the first round picks flame out pretty quickly or quickly relative to where they're drafted. Um, you look at types of players and body types and skill sets and style of player, and I agree that you could probably find a uh, a, a purer fit in Maggie's system than Howard. I think Howard can be a little bit more than what we would guess. To I think he can be a little bit of an overachiever, um, but I'm sure they'll look at mid-round running backs. There's worse things, though. Then going back to battle with Jordan Howard, he actually played more snaps this year than he did the previous year, percentage-wise, which really surprised me. So I, I think they can adjust their offense a little bit to Howard. I think he's a guy worth doing that for. That was one of the things we were talking about all season. There's like this misconception that they weren't using Jordan Howard and I kept yeah. saying, you know, he's actually gotten the same amount of touches as, as a year and ago. I looked at I because I, I couldn't believe that. It's one. surprising. I looked, I looked it up yeah. twice because I, I thought I must have seen it wrong. the first. It did not feel that way watching the film. Right. It, uh, it certainly did feel like he had a more limited role. One thing that you could see them doing more, and like the Saints do it with Kamara and, and Mark Ingram, if you can put two of those guys on the field together, Howard and Cohen, and they've done that. They do that already, but if they can expand that, that, and start having Cohen run the ball out of those personnel groupings, that can really stress the defense because now the defense doesn't know, are we playing base 4-3 personnel against them? Howard's a power runner. Yeah, you want your linebackers on the field. Or do we go nickel? And most teams have gone nickel when they put Howard and Cohen in together, treating Cohen as a number 3 receiver. If they can expand their running game out of those packages and not just be throwing screens and angle routes and quick stuff to Cohen, uh, they're going to become a more overall difficult offense to defend. Talking to Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated here on Radio Row in Atlanta. So let's talk a little bit about this game. I know you had a piece on the the matchups that that you're looking for in this in this game on Sunday. Uh, what what are the things that are standing out to you on film? Well, I think it comes down to New England's defense versus the Rams' offense. I don't think the Rams will be able to stop New England's offense. Very, they're going to need some big plays, and who knows how those come about. But um, the game comes down to slowing down Goff and Gurley and the rhythm of that Rams offense. And what you have to understand about the Rams, a lot of teams beat you with their personnel. And Sean McVay is always saying it's about our players, and I know for a fact he believes that. Uh, but it's the players are puzzle pieces within the system. They fit to the system as much as the system fits to them. So with the Rams, you're really talking about first and second down where they run the stretch zone and the play action off of it. If you force the Rams to beat you on third down, they might have the weapons to do that, but that's not really how they're equipped to play. So it's a battle of first and second down, and what do you do about that? And the team that gave the Rams the most trouble this year, I mean, obviously it was Chicago in that Sunday night game, but they're so talented. You have to look at Detroit the week before that game, a much less talented defense. That was where the Rams' issues really started showing up offensively. And one thing that the Lions did, and the Lions run the same scheme as New England, of course, uh, yeah, Matt, Matt, Patricia. Matt Patricia factor, uh, what they did is they played two deep zone coverages, but they played the two deep zones 
very shallow, and they almost treated it like man-to-man. So hybrid coverage, but keeping both safeties back deep. And what that did was force McVay to check into run plays rather than those play-action slant routes that the Rams really hurt you with. So, And the Rams actually had some nice plays that game, but it wasn't the same-looking offense. The Rams beat you by uh, gliding from one play to the next. There's a fluidity. They tell a story with their drives. You want to make them run individual plays and make them check in and out of things, and you do that by giving them different disguised defensive looks. One of the uh, intriguing things to me about this quarterback matchup is I I tend to think that the these top quarterbacks, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, and boy, Patrick Mahomes certainly look like he yeah. might be headed towards that level this year. They're so good that they they almost make it uh, harder for, like, the next-tier quarterback. They make the next-tier look bad when they're not really that bad. So you think there's a big gap between the, the Well, the what I'm getting at is I actually think Jared Goff's pretty good. And I, I think, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky could be coming up to that level too soon. I, For the most part, I like what I saw out of Trubisky this year. But they're not the top of the top, and that people forget how hard of a position it is to play in sports. They're still pretty good players. People were shocked Trubisky makes the Pro Bowl, and I know it was as an alternate. But he yeah. still did a lot of good things this year. And I think that Jared Goff, you know, especially against the Saints, showed that he's a pretty darn good quarterback. He's not Tom Brady, yeah. but he can still win you a lot of football games. What Goff has done in these playoffs that he has not done in the regular season over his career and that he certainly did not do in the wild card playoff appearance last year is make plays out of structure. He is a timing and rhythm guy. Trubisky is too, but uh, Trubisky is more of an athlete than Goff. There are different types of athletes, and Trubisky, there's a little more fluidity to everything he does. Goff's a little bit more mechanical, a longer wind-up in his delivery. I think he's a better thrower than Trubisky, but he's not the better, he's not the more fluid or flexible all-around thrower. So anyway, Goff is more dependent on the structure of the play working, and he's very, very good at doing that. He's better than Trubisky in that sense. I agree. Uh, but when those play structures did not work against the against the Rams, and even at times against Dallas, he made some plays out of structure, some big plays. And that's a different dimension for him, and if he can do that in this game, that's a big equalizer. All right, well, I appreciate you taking the time here, Andy. Great stuff. Where where can our listeners find you if they want to dive into all your, your film study before the game? Yeah, uh, sportsillustrated.com, or we have the MMQB podcast that I do with Gary Grambling. Awesome. Thanks for taking a few minutes here on Radio Row. You got it. Appreciate you. Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated, another one of the underrated analysts uh, walking around here at, at Radio Row. And um, just the start of what... Will be a fun week here in Atlanta. Plenty of uh, good interviews coming up the rest of the week as well. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about tomorrow's show here in a minute. Got to take one more timeout. We'll come back. I, I mentioned I had some thoughts on the Bears re-signing Bobby Massey. We'll get to that next. You're listening to Sports Central on WGNRadio.com. Georgia. This is Adam Hogue and WGN Sports Central getting ready for the Super Bowl on WGNRadio.com. Welcome back to Radio Row in Atlanta inside the Georgia World Congress Center uh, right next door actually to Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the game will get played on Sunday. Uh, It's been a fun first day here and some great stuff from Ross Tucker and Andy Benoit so far. Uh, on the show, wanted to uh, before we get out of here, talk real quickly about the uh, the Bears' big move over the weekend, which no it was not signing a random kicker. Uh, it, it was extending right tackle Bobby Massey. I think some people were a little bit surprised by this. It's a four year contract extension uh, through twenty twenty two, and I know Ian Rappaport reported that it's uh, worth more than eight million dollars uh, per year. I have to see how this. Um, Stacks up here once the, uh, the the official numbers come out. I mean, the, the, I always say this when it comes to NFL contracts: it, it, these big numbers get reported right away, and then you see what's actually guaranteed. Um, my guess is, based on how Ryan Pace has structured these contracts since he's been the Bears' general manager, that um, it's not like Bobby Massey's locked in for four years. Uh, and there might be a way to get out of it uh, if they need to. What I will say, though, is I like the move because here's the thing. The hard work is just starting for Ryan Pace. It is hard to rebuild a team, but once you get to the point where you're competitive, it's even harder 
to stay at that level when in a couple years they're going to have to give Mitchell Trubisky a huge contract, when they're going to have to extend guys like Eddie Jackson, um, these young players who are coming on, like Tariq Cohen, they're going to get paid someday. And there's while the salary cap keeps going up every year, uh, it's still hard to stay under that cap. And, and so don't create another a bigger problem. Is Bobby Massey an all-pro? No, but he's a pretty solid right tackle. And so what the Bears have here is really what Ryan Pace had here was an opportunity to not create an extra problem. Uh, could he potentially upgrade at tackle through the draft? Had he decide to move on from Bobby Massey? Sure, but that's a risk. And so you have a solid guy there at that position. You lock him down. Uh, usually you get him a little bit cheaper than when they hit the open market. And now the Bears don't have to worry about that position. Uh, he's certainly been stable enough. Again, not really an all-pro, not necessarily lockdown tackle, but no need to create a bigger problem when there's so much money that's going to have to be allocated at other positions going forward. All right, uh, those are my final thoughts today from the first day at Radio Row. It's been a fun first show. Thanks to Ross Tucker. Thanks to Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated. Uh, thank you to Mark Carmen who stopped by. You'll hear from Mark throughout the week as well. He's here all week working for Fanside and doing some stuff here for WGN Radio. I want to thank our producer, Joe Romano, our guy. Don't worry, I have the drop ready. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, no. Hey, Joey Jojo! I had to bring that over from the Hogan Johns podcast, which, oh. by the way, yes, Joe? Yeah, it sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. You no gotta matter bring when you over. play it. You got to bring it over. And uh, we are hoping to do an episode of Hogan Johns at some point uh, this week, even though Adam Johns is not here. He's just getting back from Orlando, and he was bragging about the weather in Orlando, so now he gets to be in Chicago uh, with the frigid cult this week. Eh, it's funny how karma works out. And oh, by the way, it poured the entire game yesterday, Johnsy. Also, thanks to Krista Flores, our engineer. Great job by everybody. Uh, looking forward to t- tomorrow. Uh, expecting to hear from John Clayton, who you may remember from ESPN, now working in Seattle. Ian O'Connor wrote the book that's out on Bill Belichick. And of course, Ryan Leaf. You know him, drafted ahead of Peyton Manning. Those are just some of the names coming up tomorrow right here on Sports Central. Again, 1 to 2 p.m. Central following Bill and Wendy. And if you miss anything, it's all available on demand all week long at WGNRadio.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Radio Row.